another episode of the Shaken and Stirred show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, and it is a crazy, crazy year, isn't it, everybody? I, I, I know the, it's ups and downs. The, the news is all over the place, but we're not here to talk about any of that. We're here to brighten your week and um, perhaps give you something to drink about. How about that? Um, this is the Shaken and Stirred show, and we've got a rather fun guest for you this week. You know, we have all kinds of guests. I don't often get too deep into the industry, but you love it when I do. And so by popular demand, I have a rather special guest. Uh, I'm going to introduce him in a rather unusual way because he's a lot of things. He's an entrepreneur. He's a tastemaker. He's, in my opinion, a brand genius. He's the CEO of Sovereign Brands that you may have heard of. And I must say, if you, when you see him, because if you can watch this podcast, everybody out there, you could go and watch Shaken and Stirred Show, you will not forget him because of the way he has branded himself with a distinct look. Um, and I, I want to get into that too. He's responsible for developing a collection of the top, of top wines and liqueurs. Um, please welcome Brett Berish. Brett, how are you? Uh, Nigel, fantastic. And uh, your intro is perfect. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. My pleasure. Welcome to the Shaken and Stirred show. You've got an incredible bar behind you. Uh, it's nice. Full of colors. I love it. Those are obviously all the different products you produce. Yeah, and more coming. And th th that's my family behind me. They're all my kids. I love them to death. <laughs> I love it too. I, I just love all the colors and everything that you produce. Now, what are you drinking? That's how we always start the Shaken and Stirred show on a, on a, a question on what the actual drink that you have. So I am making, ready? I'm going to make it for you. I'm going to keep it really simple. So Love this it. is my ice. I'm putting my ice in my bamboo cup. And a, a, a consumer made up this recipe. I have, Nigel, one of my two brands, I have this brand called Vione, which is a, a, a liqueur cognac. And someone came up with something called, and with this product, which is my bamboo cream, and they call it the Villionaire. And it's half- Vion, which I'm going to pour now. It's half Vion and half bamboo cream. And it's, you can skip dinner and just stick to drinking all night long. Bamboo cream is a rum and cream combination. Correct. It's amazing. We launched it last year in 2021. It's on fire. It's a cream based rum liqueur. Um, it's, it's, unlike any else, anything else out there, but you can mix it, you can taste, you can drink it straight. Um, don't think of it as a dessert because it is, it is got a lot of flavor, but it's just so much fun to try and mix stuff with it. And you're mixing that with cognac. So there's cognac, rum, and then the, the cream together. Now, are you stirring that? You simply pour the two on top of each other and you're just leaving it. I'm done. That's I like simple drinks. I like the drinks I don't have to think about where it's half and half and that's good. And usually to give you an example, I'm a, I, I'm a straight drinker, meaning I just I love things straight because I like tasting it. So to me, as simple as you can get is mixing two pieces and put some ice in and you're done. So it's almost like a white Russian as far as the way you're making it. But then you in that particular glass that you're using right now, it almost looks like a plastic cup. But what is it? It's a my it's our own bamboo cups. It's got uh, our our name on it with a little X logo. Um, it makes me think of it's my own version of the dude from the Big Lombowski. This is this is what he would drink when he's walking around or when he's getting picked up in a car. You kind of remind me of him a little bit too. I I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. I you love the take dude. That as a compliment. But that that drink is so is it actually made out of what China or is it glass? 
Oh no, it's a paper cup. It is a paper cup. It's a paper cup. I just make everything look high end when I hold it. Well, I wasn't necessarily going to say that, but I do, I'll, I'll take you on that. Listen, as a brand guy, you can sell anything. I'm going to join you. I'm actually, I'm using an actual glass though, folks. So this is not high end and it's not, and it happens to be not really anything special. This glass is just an old glass that I like. Um, and I'm making a classic. I am making a black velvet. Ooh, now black velvet nice. people is a classic from 1861. Okay, this is um, from Brooks Bar in, in London was when it was first invented when P King Albert passed away. And what it is, is Guinness, which you probably heard it open, and sparkling wine or champagne. And I am using one of your Bel Air um, champagne or sparkling wines rather, and it's the gold. And to get it right, you pour it over the back of a spoon and it would have been a silver spoon back in the day. And you top up the Guinness with champagne. And the idea was, was that when Prince Albert died, they wanted everybody and everything to mourn, including champagne should mourn. So how better than to have black champagne? So Guinness and champagne were combined to create a black velvet. And um, it's a classic, again, very easy to make. Two, two drinks like you just had, Guinness and sparkling wine, most people have those at home anyway, so you can go ahead and make one yourself. Cheers. Here you Cheers. go. It tastes a lot better than it looks, by the way. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's actually fabulous. For all of you out there who are not sure about Guinness or stouts, you think they're too um, bitter, the champagne picks it up fantastically, gives it a little edge and actually sweetens it, so it makes it even more palatable. Um, very delicious. Highly recommend. All right. I want to dive into this with you here. You have all kinds of brands. Mm. I want to know before we get into that, what was it like for you? Well, how did someone like you sort of start? What was your, let's go back to the origins of Brett Berish. And before you are the man you are now, and you, you know, you've got an incredible, impressive array of everything behind you. But I know there's a lot of people out there who want to know how to get into brand building and what was the sort of the, the genesis of, of, of you? Well, we all have our, our, our demons. Um, I, I wanted, I didn't know what I wanted to do until my thirties. So it wasn't early. Uh, I was the kid who, uh, uh, for those people who are like me, where I had a million ideas and didn't execute on any of them because I didn't know which one to choose. And I finally made the decision in my 30s to, I wanted to be in the liquor business. My dad was in the liquor business. I love the business. I love brands. I love drinking. And I dove in. And uh, and I mean, that's how it starts. You just, sometimes it's good not to know any better because then you're fearless because you, you're not putting obstacles in front of you. But I dove in and started this almost 22 years ago. We started in 99. And uh, I'm on my, what I like to think my seventh successful brand. Uh, but it's been fantastic. It's been ups and downs. You wouldn't believe Nigel, but it's been amazing. And I, I couldn't think I, I haven't, I, I couldn't be happier in, in focusing on wine and spirits in this industry. You say you dove in, I guess, you know, those many years ago, what does dive in mean? What was the very, what was the first thing that you did? Uh, it's for me, it's all the same. It hasn't changed. It's I haven't, I, I start drinking categories. That's what I do. I, I uh, um, I started drinking things and getting into it and learning about them because my ultimate goal for all my brands is it needs to be better than that, than the people I'm competing against. 
If I'm going to do a champagne, it's got to be better than the competition. If I'm doing a rum, it's got to be better than the competition. So I'm learning about it. I'm drinking, I'm studying it. I'm trying to understand, you know, what goes in it, because if I can come up with something, I need to come up with something better. Better is taste, better is the story, better is a package, better is design, better is the name. All those things are important because you, at my level, competing against the big companies like a Diageo, Bacardi, a, a Pernod Ricard, you know, I can't compete with them on money. I got to, I got to make a better product. I got to make a better product. Um, and I, if I use my rum, Nigel, as an example, this rum called Bamboo, it's in 70 plus countries. This is a product that everyone, when I entered the category said, don't do it. Rum isn't a th- premium rum isn't a thing. It is now four and a half years later, we're the number one premium rum probably oh. in the world. And then if I take a market like Canada, which is our biggest single market outside the United States, um, no one from my company has been there. And never to been me, to Canada. Never been. No one from my company has ever done anything. We haven't done anything at all in the market. But that to me shows the brand is strong. It's a powerful brand. People like the taste. There's word of mouth. That's brand building. When people talk about something you like, that's brand building and it works. Let's again take it back a step because I mean, some of this, you know, is I, I understand and I, I hear you on what you're saying, but from a tangible perspective, you know, how does one say take a champagne, for example, that like you started with and make it better, right? Because when you think about what that means, there, there is, there's a lot of process to making champagne and, and, and the word champagne, it can only be made in a certain place in France and champagne. And, and then there's, the, the years of the, you know, the actual, the, the, the sun and the rain and the quality and that, you know, the actual weather changing the champagne and there's a sommeliers involved. And, you know, so th- there's a whole, there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, and I look at the, sh- the, the sparkling wines and of course the champagne that you produce back in the day, what Ace of Spades, right? Was yep. The brand that you created. Um, how did how did you make it better? What was the what was the process to make it better? Well, well, let's take Bel Air first as the example. Bel Air. So watch this brand is eight nine years old. It is now about to be the number one selling premium sparkling or champagne in the United States. It's in eighty countries. So that didn't happen because of advertising and spending money. It happened because we to me we made a better product. So now what you just talked about is history. And what I try to focus on is, well, history doesn't necessarily dictate what is the best and what's better. So watch, if I asked you, Nigel, what's the best still rosé in the world? It comes from one place, that's Provence. So why doesn't the best rosé sparkling come from Provence? That's where Bel Air comes from. If I asked you, where's the best Chardonnay grapes? Where do they come from? Most would say they come from Burgundy. That's the best Chardonnay. So my Burgundy, my white side of Bel Air comes from Burgundy. So to me, it's not about necessarily, you know, it's like, I want, it's like a painter who's got two, two coats of colors he can use. Boy, he can be so much more creative if he's got 10 different colors or 20 different colors to play with. I don't like, I want to have as many opportunities to make something better. And that's what I try to focus on. My rum is an example. My rum, my mainline rum, which is this bottle, which I hope you try one day. Yes, so I have it right here, the bamboo. I have a bottle right in front of me too. It's it's our main line. It's produced in Barbados. It I wanted something, Nigel, that was creamy, that had a lot of character, a lot going on with it. Um, and that's exactly what we got. And then I wanted to come out with a different type of rum, 
a rum that to me was like, would be like a cigar, like a big fat cigar or like dark chocolate. And that, that was, that became this brand. This is Bamboo XO. The, Barbados couldn't do it. They couldn't do it based on the profile and what I was looking for. And now this is produced in, uh, in uh, oh my gosh, in, <laughs> in, I forgot where it's produced. I'm, I'm, I've been drinking too much. <laughs> well, anyway, it's produced somewhere else, right? So Correct. the point being though, that, and this isn't completely unusual with brands. I mean, I, you hear that with a lot of brands, but I guess the, the interesting thing there is, is how important then is organic, organic and authentic story behind a brand? What is the brand exactly? Is the, is the brand just packaging and, and liquid or is it, is it provenance? It's, well, again, you're talking to me. So to me, everything's important. To me, story. So, you know, uh, Bamboo Watch is an example. This is, this Bamboo, the name, um, in the 14th century merchants, I don't, I'm not making it up, merchants traveled the West Indies. They didn't like to taste a traditional rum, which they called grog. And they would blend their own rum out of rum. They would, they would add spices and character. And that was called Bamboo. And we brought that back to life. And then we chose Barbados. We could have done this anywhere, but we chose Barbados because the water is important to rum. And in the island of Barbados, the island acts as a natural aquifer. You don't have to filter anything. And then we decided to take our wine knowledge and, and in wine, you know, you can grow Chardonnay in different regions. It's always going to be a little different because of where it's grown and how it's grown. Grapes are different based on the topography, based on uh, air, climate. Wow. Same thing with sugarcane. We use eight different sugarcanes from eight different countries. So that story, that's telling a story. And then it's the package. I wanted something that stands out and different. I Big X on the bottle, like X marks your spot or, or, or the cork. It's probably the longest cork in the whole industry. You could bite it out like a pirate would. Um, all these things to me matter. And I won't launch a brand unless I have all these pieces together. Taste package, story, history, they're all in all our brands. Every single one has the same methodology. What comes first when, you, when, you're, when you're creating a brand? You know, you just mentioned a lot of different things all coming together. Which one comes first? It, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting. It's almost, to me, I'm a big fan of music and it's like music. Sometimes you, hear, you, you have a beat and you hold on to it. Sometimes you have a hook and you hold on to it. Sometimes you got a lyric and you hold on to it. Sometimes you're telling a story. To me, it's just like that. You know, maybe maybe we'll see a, an idea for a name and I'll hold it because I like it. I like it. There's a story there I want to tell based on that name. There's history there. Um, like like uh, here, Villon. Uh, Villon was a 14th century poet named Francois Villon. He lived in uh, the 14th century. He was an iconoclast. He went against the grain. He, he fought against bad people. He was kicked out of Paris and ultimately killed by a monk. I've sat on the name forever. I love the name. It means something to me. And then bottle. The bottle could be coming up with a design that we like and we sit on and we because it, it feels right. It's something we can create around. And then it could be the liquid. The liquid's always the hardest, most important. Um, and we build around that. Uh, the liquid to me is, as I said, I taste everything. Right now, I'm really into scotches. I'm really into peated scotches. Mm. Um, and my job then is I, I figured out a way to make a better product that exists in the market than my competition. So I'm blending all those things together. Amazing. So you, obviously, the liquid is, is key. I mean, you know, you, 
can have incredible packaging and what have you and that will certainly get people perhaps to open the door and, and check it out but if they don't taste it right and if it doesn't taste and sit right with them they're probably not coming back again even if it looks fantastic 100 percent. and i tell my team and i tell anybody this all the time you can have a great package but if it doesn't taste good um they're never going to come back you could have a great tasting product but if they don't notice you they're not going to try you so you need both you, you need for me you need everything you need to have you need to have everything or else i can't do it are you trying to identify gaps in the market when you're looking at creating a new brand or is it just what you want to do no it's it's our gut feeling it's what we want to do how we want to do it if things are hot i i, I give you one example if things are hot, I will not do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to play. It's to me. It's not. I want to make a better product. That's all I want to do. Um, so it's not about you know. Again, using most of my all my brands, whether it was Ace of Spades, they laughed at me when when we created that because we're going against Crystal and Dom and Krug, or a Bel Air uh, when they said you know well, you put it in a black bottle, you can't see the liquid. That's a mistake. You got to change that. Um, you know, I'm used to people saying, no, it can't be done. But for me, you know, I, we stick to our guns. We believe in what we're doing and we'll get there. Um, and that bottle you're holding is the single biggest rosé in the United States, single biggest sparkling rosé in the United States. Amazing. Let's little talk drink. about this for a minute, because it's, this is your, your rosé that's in a dark bottle that, mm -hmm. that the, you know, distributors probably said to you is not going to work because people can't see the rosé. They can't see the liquid. They want to see that it's pink. They want to see that it's a rosé. And you were like, no, I'm putting it in a black bottle. I'm going to label it like this. And it's going to, how do you convince the distributors? Do you need to convince them? And, and then on top of that, what, what do you think it was? Do you think it was with, with the consumer? Did they see this and then go, were they just curious as to know what was inside it? And, and, and so tell us, give us a little bit of the story there. So my mistake was, and I'm, always, I'm very transparent because I, I think it helps the next person out there who wants to do something in, in, in business. My mistake was my first six or seven years in this business, when someone told me what to do, I assumed they were right. And I would change it, Nigel. I would change everything. So six, you know, years earlier, someone said, and they said this, you know, about Bel Air, don't put in a black bottle. You're nuts. Why are you launching rosé first? You got to launch a brute first. Brute is the main category. Then you come out with a rosé or a Blanc de Blancs or a Demi-Sec. Um, you can't compete with the brands like a Moet and Vouve. You shouldn't go at that price point. I would have changed it. I got past that idea of, I got to trust my instincts. I got to trust what I believe, what my team believes, and this is the right thing to do. Um, we wanted to make a name for ourselves in Rosé. We came up with a better product in the Rosé category. I needed to stand out. I think the Black Bottle did that for us. Um, and it, it worked, but it, it worked because the, the, the trade, the ultimate trade, and the ultimate trade is your, is your retailers is your bars and restaurants believe in the product. And if they believe in the product, they're going to get behind it. Um, that's how it works for us. I, 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 we got to build our army. We got to build our, our army of believers who get behind our products. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. It's one of those things where certainly in the fashion industry, which I know something about, there, you know, there are mavericks who will do things that you know, probably can't be worn, but you know, ultimately, it's a statement. It grabs people's attention, uh, makes them excited, and brands are, are built and you know become iconic for something which potentially no one ever owned. But but then people get buy into the the uh, the myth, the legend, the fantasy, and they want a piece of it, and so they go and seek it out. You know, and I and I, I certainly see 
obviously in this instance you've got a liquid and people have to drink it so after it, it might be a dark bottle that they can't see inside of but once they opened it up um you know they're obviously loving what they're getting inside right yeah, you, you got to get past those people that's the hard part when 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 uh i'm sure you know you know the the, the wine critic jancis robinson yeah um when she wouldn't she wouldn't try ace of spades she wouldn't do it she she just looking at that bottle she wouldn't do it and then uh, a famous uh wine critic in finland essie avalon tried it and named it the number one champagne in the world out of like a thousand brands um and then jancis went out and bought a bottle and she literally wrote that it that it's it's compared to her favorite which was uh Paul Roger 99, uh, it was dull and diffused compared to, you know, it, it was the best champagne she's ever tried, Ace of Spades. So you got to get past that. Um, and you, and to me, I, I don't want to build build brands around people who aren't believers. I want to build brands around people who are believers. That's the key, because you'll get them eventually. You'll get them eventually. How the, the bottle design, I mean, how, how involved are you specifically in, in that? I mean, the, you mentioned the black bottle and your bottles all have a distinctive look. I mean, whether it's the bamboo with the sort of the, the, the cross on it that looks like a pirate's drunk it with a big cork to your, you know, your gin that I'm looking at to the Bel Air Lux in a white bottle, the black bottle. It's what, you know, what is that process like and how involved are you? I'm intimately, these are, like I said, these are my kids. Yeah. There's a couple of us who work on, on brands. It's my favorite part. Um, but everything has a story. If you talk about my gin, I don't even know if you noticed, but on the back of the bottle, there's a poem. I think we're the only brand in the whole world that put a poem on the back of the bottle. And it's about this band called McQueen and the Violet Fog. Um, and the, the, the main logo is this eye and crown. Uh, and it's like the Illuminati or the, the top is weighted. It's heavy, feels heavy. I want things, this is going to the consumer. These are, to me, it's a trophy. To me, my brands mean you've done something, you've achieved something. You wanna show them off because they're no different than a Bentley, than a Porsche, than a Rolex. It's it, you've done something, and that's what these brands represent. So everything about them is important. And ultimately, my goal is I want I want people to feel bad if you throw them out when you're done. You know, keep them, use them for something. Have a bottle on your shelf that you open, and a bottle on your shelf uh, that's always there. Mentality, but they're it's every detail is critical to me. And again, you know, I don't know how other people build brands to me. Uh, everything you mentioned on the bottom of the bottle, it's, it's, it's debossed. Uh, there's no paper on it. It's, you know, th there's stories that need to be told and I'm telling them through the, the design and, and the, the package. I mean, I, I've got a, I'm holding this bottle here. It's definitely unique. It's heavy. It has an almost apothecary type of kind of vibe to it. You know, with the with the look of it all, are there things that people that you recommend people don't do when creating a brand? You, it's more about what you got to. To me, the philosophy is you got to trust your instincts. It's you got to rely on yourself. You got to uh, uh, don't. You got to lead. You can't follow. Um, it's why I don't like following trends. If I don't look at stats, I don't look at numbers. That's not that's not why I'm in this. Maybe early on, that's why I got in the business, hoping, you know, shit would happen really fast. But it doesn't happen that way. You got to love what you do and you'll eventually get there. And that's what's that's what's worked for me. Um, that's what's worked. So no, I, I hear you. And I, and, I, and I get it, too. I mean, there's it's certainly one of the biggest pieces of advice I often give people is not to 
edit themselves, you know, into, into, you know, to be, to allow themselves to be free and to, and to be spontaneous and to, you know, react with their gut and, and be, be in the moment, you know, in order to really feel it from an artist's perspective. Correct. And I think I'm guessing it may be the same in the fashion industry, but when I talk to musicians in the music space, I, I, the thing my takeaway is, and I always ask this question, your most successful commercial song, did you think it was going to be a hit? 99% of them will say never. It, I hated it. I didn't like it. And the beauty of that is you got to try stuff. That just that just tells a story. You got to throw it out there. You got to see what sticks. If you don't, and if you overthink it, you're going to miss the opportunity. I'm guessing fashion is the same way. You may love it, but that second or third or fourth design may be the biggest hit. The consumer decided. Let them decide, and you play off. You play off what they're telling you to do, um, and that's what I live by. Uh, the consumer's telling me if it's working or if it's not. The consumer's telling me how to get there. That those are, you know, they're fans. Treat the fans with respect, and you're gonna, you, you can follow their lead. How important is celebrity endorsement? I mean, I know that you have several, you know, brands that have been endorsed by various top celebrities. But you know, what's your take on that? And you know, does the world need another celebrity endorsed brand? Because there are so many of them. I'll put it in. I'll, I'll answer it in a different way. If you ask me this question, who do I think can 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 empower a brand? I have no clue. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea who can. I can name you a hundred brands in my industry that have been celebrity backed brands that have failed. Right. Um, to me, uh, there's no question celebrity helps. There's a reason why Coke would hire Cindy Crawford or Pepsi or or Justin Bieber. But for me, what works is I know these people. I don't want a transaction. I want a relationship. I've known them. I've worked with them. I've done things with them prior where I've built a foundation because I want to build something long-term. There's value there for both of us long-term. So it's, I'm much more comfortable working with people that I consider friends then, and I want to, and it takes time, you know, and I've, I have patience. That's the hard part is having patience, but I, I, I don't want to jump at anything. I want to have this organic relationship and you know what, they get it. They see what I'm doing. They appreciate it. They like it. And then let's work together. I mean, and you say that, and obviously, you know, as far as like finding these individuals or meeting them, is it the music that you listen to first? Is it just, is it the fact that you've already, how do you already work with them? I mean, what's, how does that start, that process of picking that person? I'll give you a different examples. You know, Post Malone was a brand ambassador for us. I loved him. You know, we were huge fans of him when he had one song and I can help him and he can help me. And, and I liked him and he liked me. And then we started working together. Um, uh, I remember asking my Uber driver about what hip hop he listens to, what up and coming. And he told me about two names and we ended up reaching out to them. And I got to know both guys. One was Gierbo, the other one was a boogie with the hoodie. And we became friends and they, um, they knew my brands and they liked my brands and I, I liked them as people. And we started working together. Um, it could be people that have supported us like Rick Ross. Rick Ross was a huge supporter of Bel Air before I ever knew the guy. Once I saw he's supporting me, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going after Rick. I want him on my team. This guy's doing, he's working it for me. DJ Khaled, the same thing. Uh, it could be, I interviewed, uh, there's a woman out of Atlanta. She's an unbelievable influencer, comedian, artist, uh, actress. 
Her name is Pretty V. I interviewed her. After the interview, we just clicked. She was hit. You know, that's the beauty of, of I, I want people who are just like me. You know, they're going to beat me over the head and hit me because they want to work with me. They want to do something. I want that energy on my team. Um, and it's hard to find that because people usually expect everybody to reach out to them. You know, wait for them. Wait for them to come to you mentality. That's not me. I want people who are going to reach out and just shout it out that we're, we're supporters. Let's do something. You just said that you interviewed um, Post Malone uh, or you, you, you spoke to Post Malone, but it was through your interview process. And that that's self-made, right? That's your podcast or yes. your interviews. That, that's a podcast called Self-Made, right? It's, it's I, I don't know if it's a podcast. It's just something I do that I enjoy, which is I interview whether it's musicians or business people or comedians, or actresses, I, I want to hear, they're all famous, but I don't care about the famous part. I just want to hear about the, excuse me, the shit that they went through, the bad stuff, because that's the stuff that I can relate to. That's the stuff that gets me motivated. You know, when Post Malone was made fun of in high school because he looked different, he acted different, he, his dad wore suits every day, so he would wear suits every day. You know, when, when, when uh, uh, Rhapsody would tell me about, you know, she when she didn't, she knew she loved what she was doing because when she didn't have enough money and all she cared about was just getting to the studio, she knew she loved music. You know, that's the stuff I love. So I do these interviews with with different genres, and I, I want to hear their stories. I want to hear their grind to get there, just the grind side. And where does Self Made live? Uh, I, it's, uh, sometimes we do it in person and we post it on YouTube. Sometimes it's on, it's just Instagram live where I'll do it on one of our channels, uh, together with them. And then we'll post it on YouTube. Um, but it's under self-made, self-made tastes better. I just got Rick Ross. I wasn't even in it. It was Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, DJ Khaled and Wiz Khalifa on a self-made, uh, round table where they just talked about the, the, the fight to get there, which was awesome. <laughs> But everything I do, Nigel, I do things that feel good, like that I just think I, I, I'm at that stage and hopefully I've been at that stage where I want to try stuff. And if it sticks, it sticks, you know, but to me, I think there's some value to getting out, getting, there's value for people watching it. Have you had a favorite interview? I don't, I think it's always the last one because I remember it the best. They all have different stories, you know? Um, I just entered, my last interview was Gata. Gata's uh, is the hype man for Little Dicky, um, and Gata and Little Dicky are on the TV show Dave. Uh, and just hearing Gata's story, his he's got such energy, and he's a fighter, and he he's got a saying Gander, which is you know you motivate others, motivate yourself. Um, and it, it, the energy that people give is just fantastic because they were in shitty positions and they got there. And then I, uh, he's a big fan of Rick Ross. And yesterday I was with Ross and we FaceTime together with, Ga with Gata. Like that, that feels good. So, you know, it's, it's usually my last interview. <laughs> I said I remember it the best, but they're all good. They all have a story to tell. You know, I mean, clearly you're plugged in. I mean, you're plugged into this entire, you know, uh, sort of hip hop movement and, and a lot of cool people and you're interviewing great artists. You've got, you know, incredible product. You've been, you've made a success. I mean, for you, looking forward, what are you thinking is next for you? I mean, is there is there an end game? It seems like you've been doing this game for ages and you, you just love it and you enjoy it. it does, does there need to be an end game for you? Is it just continuing on? No, I, I think it's it's the same thing I thought when I was 
in my 20s, if I want to just execute ideas that are good ideas, it's not about whose idea it is. It's about executing good ideas. I don't care um, when, you know, when, when I've, I've got probably eight or nine brands we're working on. I want to see them come to life. I want to birth them. I want to watch them grow up. I want to help them. I like, I, I joke, but I'm not, I'm not kidding. They're like children and you want to, you got to micromanage them when they're little and get them in the right accounts and get them the right look and feel. And, and you got to get them to, you know, toddler level and then grade school level, then high school and college and let them go. Um, that's brand building. And I, I love that part. Uh, and I, and if I, if I run out of ideas, I think I'll stop, but it hasn't happened. What's the, you know, obviously what, what's the difference between a, a brand that's successful in the U S versus say, Asia versus say Europe do, or do you find that you know I mean obviously when one tries to create a brand you try to create something that's universal but does it translate always universally you know with different cultures and, and different places it's a great question um I I have a view of let things breathe because I'm not smart enough and you're not smart enough to know who picked it up so but if there's interest, you gotta let it breathe, let it go. So I'll give you an example. Um, in Latvia, and I had to look it up where it is in the map, bamboo is the fastest growing single spirit in the whole country. They're not a rum market. They, it's not a rum market, but bamboo is bigger than rum there. It's enormous. We would do the equivalent of 2 million cases in the United States in Latvia. Let it breathe, there's a market for it. So brands can take a life of their own. And that's why we're in so many markets because it's working. It, 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 there's an audience for these brands. So, but I, I'm not the one to decide, but I want to let it breathe and see where it goes. In a place like Latvia though, I mean, is it just, is it just naturally taken off bamboo? Or is, do you have a team of people that go in there and go, okay, we're going to work the Latvia market. We're going to have, you know, People, at, you know, girls at certain bars, we're going to have events, we're going to do bamboo parties, we're going to do pop-ups. I mean, what's the strategy here? It, <laughs> I'd love to tell you that there's a big, there's a big plan strategy. There's not. At the end of the day, you've got to find like-minded people who believe in you, who believe in your brands, who like what they taste like, like the story. They're going to get behind it. Hopefully you as an example, one of these brands you're going to pick up that's going to feel like yours. You own it. This is You like the taste. You like the feel. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to tell somebody else. You're going to tell somebody else. And they're going to tell somebody. That's how my brands are built. That's always how they're built. We're the number one brand in rum in Jamaica, in the UK, in Austria, in Belgium, in Czech Republic, uh, Canada. It's nothing special that we did other than we have a great product and it, it, it's resonating. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's a great, it's, I, I mean, I love your enthusiasm. You know, you are someone who is definitely has an infectious, infectious enthusiasm for what you're doing, for what you're about, for the stories you're telling. And, you know, you find that with certain brands, but you also find people with, with you know, when you talk to them about the, the, the brand that, you know, it's, they're somewhat removed from it. They don't have the same kind of knowledge or, or even perhaps connection with it. I mean, for you, they definitely, you mentioned they're like your children. They do sound like your children. You talk about them in that way. They, they, they definitely, and so for that, for that reason, it's almost, 
you know, if one were to say something negative about it, you would feel almost, I would be, feel like I was insulting your child or something. A uh, hundred, and I'll take it personally, and you'll piss the shit out of me. And you know what? I, I got a big chip on my shoulder and I want to prove you wrong. You know, and that's, it's hard to change how you're built, but that's how I'm built. But I think, I think what I just said though about children, I think that can be the same mentality for any business, if it's fashion, if it's if it's entertainment, if you don't take it personally, then something's wrong. You should take it personally. You should be all in on it. I I, I couldn't agree more. I literally couldn't agree more. I think you have to be all in. If you're not all in, if you're not even more than all in, if you're not one hundred and fifty percent in, you know, then there's there's a real problem as far as really you know getting it done right. But it's even to the point of and in in your field, I'll give you an example. Um, like I, I, more and more I see, we have more followers on Instagram, Nigel, than any other liquor brands, it's amazing. And our brands are lifestyle. They're not liquor brands, it's lifestyle. And now we're seeing our brands cross over into lifestyle, into fashion. So as an example, there's, an, there's a designer, Kid Super, you know? I don't, I don't know him, no. Uh, He's very successful. He just he just, he just uh, 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 did uh, a fitting for a Dulipa, but no, we're doing something together. Like it's it, it, that only happens if you're close to the audience. If you're seeing how your brand is reaction, and you know what, you can say, "Boy, I think I can go in this direction now. I think I can build my audience in this direction, and it's authentic and it's real and it's organic." Um, so I think being as close as you can helps. Now, you, you know, you obviously mentioned fashion and what have you. When I look at some of your brands, for example, Bamboo and even the McQueen and the Violet Fog, um, you know, they have this sort of almost Chrome Hearts-esque vibe to them, the sort of pirate um, and biker. And is that something you go for? Is that how do you, I mean, what was that the intended look? No, I, well, to me, McQueen, it, this McQueen is more old school rock and roll. This is Florence and the Machine. This is old school rock and roll to me. Um, Bamboo is more, uh, I don't know, chic, even though it's got the, the, the X and the, the, the look, it's, this is higher end. This is got some chic to it. Um, the Vion is definitely black and it's the snake and the dagger. It's almost, it's almost a mythology. It almost looks like a tattoo though, too, though. I mean, there is a, a, there's an element to the symbolism that you use. You sort of put one big logo on each one. One has a crown, one has a cross, the other one has a dagger and a snake. All could be tattoos. Uh, and I love it. And uh, um, I love it for that reason, because I hope they are. Or as an example, when I did Bel Air, Bel Air doesn't have that. But to me, Bel Air had this big, powerful name that meant something. And now the shield has turned into that emblem. Um, Ace of Spades, there's no question. That was a big, powerful symbol. They wouldn't pronounce the name Armand de Brignac, but Ace of Spades, they'll remember. Um, I have a new brand coming. It doesn't look like any like anything like these other ones. It almost feels like Burning Man. Have you had anything that's been particularly challenging that hasn't worked? Uh, it depends how you look at it. My first brand that doesn't exist today is both my most successful brand. It is my most successful. To me, it's the only reason I exist today. My first brand, because it it allowed me all the mistakes I made 
um, all the decisions I made, all the not trusting my instincts, not following my gut, relying on others, uh, chasing, going too fast, not having patience, all the mistakes I made is because of that first brand. And if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So my first brand, um, it depends how you look at it. To me, you know, it's, it's my most powerful brand because it's literally why I exist today. So you're sort of defined also by your failures then? A hundred percent. I'm, I have, I tell my team all the time, it's, it's, you got to try things. Every day I have a bad idea, but hopefully I've got one, two good ideas for every bad one, but I want to try them. I want to try them. I want to try them because you don't know. I'm not smart enough to know what's going to work, but if I try a whole bunch of things and I'm close enough to see what's working and what's not and make good, make decisions, pivot constantly, I'll get there. I, I tell a story, Nigel, I almost think business to me is like, uh, is like improv and a comedian. When he goes up on stage and tells a joke one night, he gets the audience's reaction. And then he goes back and the next night he goes up and he tells the joke a little bit different to see if he can get more of a reaction. Then he goes up and tells the next joke, the same joke again the next night, a little bit different. And he feeds off the crowd based on that reaction. To me, that's what business is. You gotta feed off the crowd and, and you'll learn, you'll figure it out, but you gotta keep trying things. You gotta keep trying and you'll get it, you'll get there. You know, really, uh, I guess, really important advice, to be honest with you. And I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I've felt it. I've been experienced it myself. You know, looking at you, I know with myself, I made a conscious decision years ago to shave my head and it became a sort of uh, a part of who I am. It became a part of my identity. You know, I can grow hair. It's not that I, I, I have to be bald. I decided to do it and it became a look. Um, you have very much a look. You, you remind me of Zeus. Um, you have this incredible sort of head of sort of shock of white blonde hair, uh, big white beard. If you um, look, hold on. If you look close, it's kind of yellow and green right here. But my yellow, wife wants, that's why I said white blonde. I wasn't quite my, sure. My wife wants me to get that that purple stuff. And I keep telling her, no, I can't change me. Don't purple, change me. Yeah, I, my grandmother used to have a purple rinse. I'm not sure you want to do that. No, no, um, don't do that. But anyway, I'm sure you could rock it. What was, have you always looked like this? Have you, has, has this been a look that's evolved? Like someone, a brand person like yourself, I'm sure that this is also a part of who you are, your brand. Well, I've, I've never, I, it's interesting. I've never been part of the brands. I've always had the brand speak first. This is new for me. Um, but if I can be an influence on the brands, fantastic. Um, my look has evolved. There's no question. Uh, but I think, you know, again, like everything in life, you evolve and I'm evolving. So there's no question. Maybe I'm evolving. I don't know which way. Uh, maybe chic homeless is a good way to think of it. But uh, um, I don't know. It's me. It's That's me. very Zoolander. I think that they call that hobo chic. Yes. Which yes. Is, which is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I, I actually don't think. I think you are, you are. I like it more, you know, Greek God is more is a better way to go for you. But for me, it's 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 no different than what I'm doing. I'm owning. I I, I want to own what I'm doing. So you know, I I, I want everything to be. Uh, I don't know. There's a story. So there's a story with everything. There's a story with my chains. There's a story with everything I do. I want there to be a story, and it makes me feel. It makes me feel whole. It's someone said it's. It's, it's as long as it's natural that you can't go wrong.
Amazing. I couldn't agree more. Look, before I let you go, you've been very generous with your time. We have something called Last Orders on the Shaken and Stirred show. A little quick, a uh, few questions to get inside the head of Brett Berish. Brett, if you could drink a cocktail or one of your drinks, perhaps, um, with a celebrity or star or character even from any movie or television show, what, who would that be? What show would it be? And what would you be drinking? Oh, um, there's so many people, Nigel. That's not fair. I know it's a it's a hard one. Uh, I I go I go with my favorite movie, which is The Man Who Would Be King, and I would choose mm. Sean Connery and uh, Michael Caine, and and uh, we drink my we drink my rum ex bamboo XO on the rocks all together, and I'd love to hear the stories about that movie. I love that. I'd like to come and and be a part of that too. Look, next question. In the movie of your life, who would you have play you? I love the dude. Jeff Bridges would be good. Uh, I, I'd want I'd want Kurt Russell. <laughs> I I'd love it. Want, I want Kurt Russell because again, I just think he dates back to Disney and Walt Disney, and I just I would want to talk to him. I'd want to talk to him. I think he could do it. I can see it right now. I am Spartacus. That's why I said you look like Zeus or a Greek god. Yeah, it's right there. I, I get it totally. Um, fantasy dinner party. You can have three guests, dead or alive. Again, who would they be? I'd pick three Jews. I'd pick Gene Wilder. I'd pick Mel Brooks, and I'd pick Zelensky. There you go. Wow. I I'd want to get them in a room. People I. I admire people that I think are funny, people that I think are have done amazing things. I think they'd be awesome. I love that. When you pour yourself a drink, what music do you turn on? Oh, uh, can I give two? You may give as many as you like. Uh, uh, Kodak Black's Patty Cake. Uh, Kodak Black is an artist. He's got a song yeah. called Patty Cake and he says, uh, I'm sipping on Bel Air, so that's easy. And then uh, I'd say, this is, this is easy, uh, Neo uh, in a heartbeat. Neo's song, Champagne Life. There you go. You know, you know the song? Yeah, I do, I see. Well, it's a beautiful day. It's going to be a beautiful night. Break out the champagne. Everybody get a glass. Oh, I love Neo. He played at my wife's birthday. Oh, amazing. Fantastic. What a great, what a great party that must have been. And uh, final, final song, a final, final question, rather. Um, Shaken or stirred, Brett? Shaken, shaken, shaken. It's got to be cold. Shaken, shaken. I don't want to wait for it to get cold. Shake it. There you go. Shake it, everybody. Brett Berish, who's been shaking it up forever with his incredible brands, sovereign brands. Um, you'll find them everywhere. Bel Air's, his extraordinary sparkling wines. He's got McQueen and the Violet Fog gin. He's got bamboo rum. Um, he's got Vion, which is a cognac. You know, it, the, the, the list goes on and on. Um, and I, you've got new things coming out all the time. Congratulations on all your success. And by the way, self-made, you can find that. That's his interview process. It's either on his Instagram, uh, which is what? What is the name of your uh, Instagram? Brett Parrish CEO. There you go. Can't miss that. Nigel, um, and thank you for having me on Shaken and Stirred. Uh, big fan. Uh, you, 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 pick one brand and own it, all right? There you go. Great piece of advice. Pick one brand and own it. 
And if you're Brett Barish, just keep picking them because you're going to earn a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> All the best, guys. Everybody, have a great week ahead of you. We'll see you again on the Shaken and Stirred show. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken and Stirred. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. This podcast was produced and edited by Embassy Road.